the title of our sermon this morning, All Will Be Taught of God, All Will Be Taught of God, comes from the scripture text in the book of Isaiah, the 54th chapter and the 13th verse. And I read that in the King James, and it says, And all thine children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thine children. Just with the carnal eye of the typical eye of reading that, it sounds like all, but as the commercial I used to see sometime with the Cheetos cat on it or whatever, and does all mean all? Does all mean all? And I don't think all means all in this in this situation here. Uh, there's a King James only people and. Uh, sometime when we get hung up on certain ideology or certain things of the past or certain churches of people focusing on something, we tend not to grow. Sometimes God has given us a, a mind that's like his if we're his spiritual children. And that's why he says that the, that the, the very elect wouldn't be deceived. We have the scripture that all thine children shall be taught of the Lord. It's very controversial to a lot of people because it's other scriptures in here that says along the same lines, but we must take the scripture and make a correlation in the scriptures that none of them contradicts one another. It would lead to contradictory thinking on some people with other scriptures because they're thinking that the Spirit would teach everybody and that we wouldn't have a a reason to learn from others or whatever and they go further and then that you have no need of any man to teach you for the Spirit itself teaching you. And that kind of premise collapses upon itself And that was the problem with the people during Isaiah's day because they were kind of making a mockery or talking about Isaiah because he taught, he says, his teaching is precept upon precept, line upon line, here little and there little, and it seems redundant unto them. And only foolish people make a mockery of understanding or instructions that don't know. That same scripture, if we come back and read it, in the Amplified Version in which I have on your paper there, the Amplified Version, that same scripture reads, And all your spiritual sons will be disciples of the Lord, and great will be the well-being of your sons. So with that that verse, that eliminates a whole lot of people because like with Abraham and Isaac and Ishmael, we see that Ishmael was the son of Abraham but he wasn't the child of the promise God made Ishmael a nation Abraham had other sons and daughters to Keturah and other people but Isaac was the son of the promise and we see where Paul says all of Israel is not Israel so when he says all taught of God he's meaning all of his spiritual children because we go to scriptures like Jesus told the Pharisees and some of the people that said that they have Abraham to the to father, and he says, 
Abraham is not your father. He said, you have your father the devil. Because they wasn't born of God. They wasn't his children that were taught of God. So we have to see that the Bible includes and excludes people according to those that have an understanding from God. And that's what we have to get from God is an understanding beginning in Genesis all the way to Revelation. Genesis, Genesis, he says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. That scripture, what he's saying to one, he's saying to all, he's talking of counseling his will there. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is talking about making man in his image. But we see the church has a, a duty also to help make man and God's image and likeness. That, that's what the church is formed for. And th- that's what the church, that's why he's making us a royal priesthood in the millennium. That's what a priesthood would do, would teach. Teach the body of, of God. Teach the people of God. So everybody's not in the church, though a lot of people would be in the kingdom. It's not inclusive of being in the church. But that, that's, that's a teaching that goes far deeper than a lot of them can wade into. So we see different levels of God and an understanding of God. If we go to the book of John, which we chose for a reading scripture, those that want to just limit the scriptures to the New Testament and say, well, the Old Testament was back then and this is new, well, we see that that's, that's the scripture that Jesus quotes out of the book of John that's quoted out of the book of John that it says, It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that had heard and had learned of the Father coming unto me. That's why I say everybody can't go to God. God has to draw you. He has to give you a desire unto come, to, come unto him. Now, when we say all taught of God, what's the means of God's teaching or what's the instruments of being taught of God? You heard some people say, well, they had been taught in the school of hard knocks. What, what is that? What is that? That's the idiom that people use up and taught in the school of hard knocks. Uh, it's referred to as the university of life or the University of Hard Knocks is an idiomatic phrase meaning the sometimes painful education one gets from life's usually negative experiences and often contrasted with formal education. Tell a child, it's hard for a child to learn just by telling them or whatever that that stove is hot. Don't touch that stove, it's hot. But his best teacher may be letting him put his hand on the stove. Once he sticks his hand on the stove, he'll learn he won't do that anymore. Uh, Some people never learn. Some people never get on, you know. They marry and they remarry and they remarry. Maybe they don't realize that marriage is not funny. Solomon married all of these wives and he said of a thousand women he hadn't found one wise one yet. Maybe you were the fool. Maybe the problem was with you and not the women. You kept looking for something in the women, but the problem was you. I think one of the definitions of insanity is 
repeating the same thing over and over, expecting a different outcome. The outcome's going to be the same, you know. That you know, what? Why should anything be different? So, as we have a lot of people coming that's rebellious, that's hadn't repented. Repentance is a Christian, a, a spiritual lesson that we learn, but only God, those children of God, understand the preaching of repentance. That's why you don't hear that in, in the days evangelical churches and on-air missions and televangelists and things talking about repentance because it requires something that only God can do. Only God can do. So until the teacher, the spirit of truth, has come, the Holy Spirit, in which God gives you, he has to give you the Holy Spirit, which gives you the desire to learn, to know of God. But without that desire, you're not, you can't learn of God. When he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of you, learn of me. Well, he's looking that we have to have the instructor, the spirit. We have to be born again. There's a regeneration that must occur in us for us to learn of him. As Here's a controversial where this teaching also runs into. I'm going to read the King James and then the Amplified Version of it. It says... But the anointing, 1 John 2.27 says, But the anointing which you have received of him abided in you, and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it had taught you, you shall abide in him. That unction from the Holy One, that anointing, it's the new birth. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you become a spiritual child when you're birthed into the body of Christ. You must grow and learn. That's why it says, take his yoke upon him, upon you and learn of him. Reading that same version. That's why I say sometimes we have to kind of branch out a little bit. Taking that same verse in the Amplified, it says, as for you, the anointing, that is the special gift, the preparation from God, which you receive from him, remains permanently in you. In other words, the spirit abides in you. That, that rests in you. That's something, that's the earnest of your inheritance. That's what God had given you to learn. But also, as we learn, we find out that you can quench the spirit. You can grieve the spirit. There are a lot of people that, are, that don't have a zeal for God. There's a lot of people whose understanding becomes darkened because they hadn't studied the Word of God to see that there's a cause and effect principle of their consequences for sinning and for things that you don't know. That's why he says, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. The Apostle Peter tells us that we must gain knowledge. We must add to knowledge. It tells us we must study to show ourselves approved workmen that need not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. So with that anointing, that anointing it doesn't mean that now you from fiat God creates you a 
budding genius that you don't need anybody to teach you anything. And that's the problem with society and the YouTube generations. People, you know, I watch YouTube videos and people watch do-it-yourself videos and now everybody thinks they know everything. Most time when people come to church, they really, most of the time, tune the preacher out because there's nothing he can tell them. Nobody wants to ask. Nobody wants to say, well, I don't know. Can you teach me? Get, get, help me to understand this. You don't ask for someone to help you, to guide you or whatever. That's a sign of an ignorant generation. And that's what's happened with this generation. With all of the knowledge and education out there, they've become educated fools. You, you need a shepherd. That's why when I, we speak in the Bible... Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So without going and listening at a preacher, how can you grow in faith? How can you increase in faith? First point here is the shepherd. And what's the primary job of a shepherd? Now, like I said, we can't keep going back over things as Paul said, laying aside the doctrines of that. Let us go on to perfection of saints. To the people that's not going to Bible study or that's not studying, we say to them as the five wise said the five foolish, you go to them that buy and sell. Whatever you was doing, instead of going to Bible study or studying the Word of God or preparing for this where the foundation was laid, the preaching, you may not be able to keep up with it because he said, Jesus says, go into all nations, teach it teaching and making disciples, but he said teaching and preaching. There's a difference between the two. I tell you, I used to go to, uh, in college, when we, the professor would come in and he would preach, and, and I mean, not preach, but he would teach us, uh, lecture us, but they had labs to go along with the lecture. In other words, where you hear some things and then you put it, that practical education, to effect you test it out and lay well life is the lab we we test out what we hear and hear we test it out out there so you could amen and and assent to it here you could assent to what you hear and hear or whatever when you put it to work out there or whatever that's the school of hard knocks out there but you have to not forsake the assembling together of yourselves you have to together get here and hear the teaching. Yes. The primary job of the shepherd is feeding the sheep. That That's what I should be given to. That's what Peter, that's what the apostles was given to. You remember in the book of John, in the 21st chapter of John, when Jesus asked Peter, says, Peter, if you love me, what you would do is go out and evangelize the world and get these people saved. It's like evangelists that used to be here, the ministers are here. Well, we need to get these people saved. Well, you funk, you, you, you focusing on getting the people saved, get them into the church. Well, Peter, you need to go out and get these people, uh, work miracles and do all these things and heal these people. No, 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 no. He didn't say that. He says, Peter, if you love me, you would feed my sheep. What he did three times. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. 
the focus was on feeding the sheep. You can get a lot of people in the church, but if they just like my former pastor years ago, he was known as Acts, oh, Acts 2.38. He would get up there when Peter says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. Okay, we heard that. That's been sunk in to us. You don't need to keep preaching that same thing to us. We understand repentance and preaching and the baptism in Jesus' name. Let us go on to perfecting other things. Let us dig deeper in here and hear some things we hadn't heard before. I'm sure the word of God is more than an inch deep. We must be instructed. We Just like you go there and, and watch a movie or, or watch different things or go study and some things get so intricate, you have to be paying attention to these things. Well, the Word of God is that same way. How can you figure that that's so simple? Anybody, a child can do it, and you can just let a novice or anybody out off the street come in and preach the Word of God. It says, don't let a novice preach the Word of God. In other words, a new convert. So, he says, Peter, feed my sheep if you love me. He said, Lord, you know. So the focus was on the feeding of the sheep. I don't think Peter ever forgot that. Peter didn't forget that. First Peter, the fifth chapter, the first through the fourth verse, listen at what he says. Peter, he says, Therefore I strongly urge the elders among you, that is the pastors and the spiritual leaders of the church, as a fellow elder and as an eyewitness of the suffering of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory that is to be revealed, to shepherd and guide and protect the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not motivated for shame, with shameful gain about gain, or, but with wholehearted enthusiasm, not lording it over those assigned to your care. Do not be arrogant or overbearing, but be examples of Christian living to the flock. Set a pattern of integrity for your congregation, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the the unfading crown of glory. So your chief job is to shepherd the flock. But don't get into arguments or overbearing sometimes or arrogance. A teacher is something that's patient and amped to teach, but he must know the cocky, the, the wise-hearted, the different students among them. There will be those that's always popping off. There's going to be those that resist it, that always know more than the teacher will know. There's going to be always those that say they got it. Known. But you're, you're not to keep pressing on with that. that. That student has to learn in the school of hard knocks. They may die. They may suffer illness or some kind of consequences, but it's their fault. That's that sheep's fault. Not that they cease to be sheep. Yes. They may get skinned by the wolves for hanging out on the fringes, but that's their place because we, we as shepherds, uh, uh, let me say under-shepherds, we have a job of feeding the sheep, but we can't change lives or, or direct all these things God does all these things. These are things in God's hand. We can't decide at what level or what place in the body of Christ 
is given to one another. What Jesus was aware of as he was teaching, when the, the, the two disciples' mothers came up to see to him and said, Look, do this for us, Jesus. Let one of my sons sit on the right hand, the other on the left. Well, Jesus says, they will suffer and drink the cup that I drink of, but sitting on my right hand or my left hand isn't mine to award. In other words, there's no nepotism. Just because you're my wife, just because these are my children or whatever, that doesn't mean in the kingdom that they'll have the same place as, as, as first lady, that they'll have places as first sons and daughters. no. Have they been through the hard school of hard knocks? Have they learned for themselves? Has they been obedient to God? You can't get promoted that way. God shows no partiality. And in other words, God had designed a place for each person. So have you applied yourself to that? You know, it's like Aaron had to draw back and God had killed his sons or whatever. Well, Aaron couldn't show that he had anything or animosity toward God well, they deserve to die. I'm not going to show that I'm rebelling against God, against that, and that God didn't do what he didn't have to do. If Aaron would have did anything, Moses, he told Moses, said, tell Aaron that don't act as though he's in a disagreement with this, or get in a sulking mood or a bitter mood or whatever. That he's in agreement because God does all things. And so God has a place for everybody. So you wouldn't want anyone through nepotism to become a doctor, a lawyer, or be the pastor, or be put in a position and they can't doctor, that they can't teach. You the pastor now, the church split up because you became the pastor and you couldn't feed the sheep or whatever, but your daddy was the pastor, so you inherited pastorship. You ain't never been married. You don't know anything about leading people, but your daddy was the pastor. Not, that means you pastor the church. No, that, that's not how God's callings goes. So in teaching and instruction, we have to see that God has a body of instructions that is written upon our hearts. That's not just by fiat learned and we saw that that that's why salvation couldn't come through the law because it was weak through the flesh and that God didn't start off giving them the law. God didn't give them the law to years and years. It was some 400 years after Abraham, the, before Moses was born, and they called Moses the lawgiver. But we know Abraham paid tithes, right? We know that ever since the beginning the Sabbath was there so when Moses gave the Ten Commandments he didn't say a new commandment I give to you in that you tithe or that you uh, go to church on this day he says remember the Sabbath because what happens is God's laws through his children are there but he gave the law because of transgressions that's why the law was given because of transgression, to show you what you were doing. So that same body of instruction, that same what you call doctrine, is what is there. And that's what the teachers, that's what the New Testament teachers do. We drill that into the people. But 
What is the law called? The law is called the schoolmaster. It brought us to Christ. But now that we are at Christ and Christ is given, now the Spirit is given. See, because before then, the Spirit hadn't been given. And when Christ comes and He said, they'd all be taught of God, but He said, I'm going to give you another comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. He'll lead you and guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is that teacher. That unction that God gives you, that Spirit that God gives you. But you don't, uh, can't comprehend that body of truth or that instructions without a teacher. Even though he says you have no need of, he's talking about you don't need anybody to teach you that Jesus is Lord. That's why he says they will all know me. In other words, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I can't teach you or go show you God anything. God has to draw you to him. He has to reveal himself to you. So that's who he's talking about, that they will all know of the Lord. And once you know of the Lord, you'll grab other people's hands. You'll grab the hands of others and say, let us go up to the house of the Lord that we may learn of him and get knowledge from him. Until every knee shall bow, every, everybody go quest and say, yes, Jesus is Lord. Now you'll know that. That's a personal, intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now there's a lot of others that do works and know things of God to feed and do all these other things, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's because they're none of his. Those are the ones that are not taught of God. Now the Apostle Paul, let, let, let's see what the Apostle Paul says about this. Let me give you Peter what he told the disciples because it's not paramount that I go around visiting the sick or whatever. Even though Jesus visited and healed the sick. It's not paramount that I go around because when they came to Jesus and said, we're looking for you, Lord. What was the chief thing he says? He said he was going about preaching the kingdom of God. They're looking for me because I fed them and I healed them. It was paramount that you preach and teach the gospel. In the book of Acts, the sixth chapter, second through the fourth verse, it says, So the twelve called the disciples together and said, It is not appropriate for us to neglect teaching the word of God in order to serve tables and manage the distribution of food. Therefore, brothers, choose from among you seven men with good reputations, men of godly character and moral integrity, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will continue to devote ourselves steadfastly to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So what's, what's going on here? It's not right for me to serve the widows and serve teams and do all these things. Let the deacon, let, let's create deacons here. Somebody that can run the church that will be the preacher's hands and feet and get the work done. We have to give ourselves to the ministry and the studying of the Word. That's our number one priority is the Word of God. The deacons, we go put the deacons in charge of running the churches and making sure the widows get fed and everything and making sure the grass is cut and everything is done around the church. We need to focus on the Word of God. That's what we need to do. 
the book of Acts, Paul's about to go away. These are the acts of the church. That's what Luke wrote the book of Acts does. The 20th chapter of Acts, the 25th or the 28th verse. This is Paul's instruction. He says, and now listen carefully. I know that none of you, none of you among whom I went about preaching to the kingdom of God will see me again. For that reason, I testify to you on this day that I am innocent of the blood of all people. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose and plan of God. In other words, the whole counsel of God. In other words, Paul went down the Romans road with them. Paul, in other words, the book of Romans is such a thick book. It's, I tell you, it's like Isaiah, they call that the second gospel of the preaching because Paul goes in. In the instruction of Paul, Peter says that the words of Paul are hard to be understood in which some wrestle with to the destruction of themselves. And that's why he says we shouldn't all be teachers, be not many masters, because teaching is a, is, is a complicated thing here. God hadn't called all to be teachers. And if you teach wrong, that means they learn wrong. And if the blind lead the blind, they shall all fall in the ditch. I was going somewhere this week with my son-in-law, and me and him was talking. He's a professor down at Xavier, and he's the top of his class. And I was saying, did he go back or do he have to go back for refresher courses or whatever? Because there are certain people, certain people designed to teach. And in journalism, you know, people know when he write a paper, he write different articles, and he's been put in charge of the school's articles and publishing certain things or whatever. They was talking about Jesus as a teacher or whatever. And Paul, that's why they sent Paul to the Gentiles, because he was a Pharisee. He had studied the law. He knew the law in, he, inside and out. He, as touching the law, he said it's blameless. He learned under Gamaliel. And so here, Peter, he's not instructed in the law as Paul was. And so he said he had to give himself the study or whatever. But Paul had left the books and parchments behind. Paul had went off and he told Mark and Timothy to bring those articles to them when he came about the books and the parchments to him. But Peter, he wasn't as Paul, as learned as Paul. And that's why I think God sent Paul to the Gentiles. Paul was a learned man, much educated. Whereas Peter's knowledge came from the school of hard knocks. Peter had been out there. He was a fisherman. In other words, he was a businessman or whatever. But that anointing that taught him or whatever in those three years with Jesus, and then Peter stood up to preach with the unction of the Holy Spirit upon him, and they noted the boldness and, and things of what Peter was doing. And they noticed as this man had been with Jesus. Yes. Here in as Apollos, preaching and teaching. And he was a great orator. But he was lacking something. And Priscilla and Aquilas saw him lacking something. So now we see that you can have an education, that you can instruct people or whatever. But those of the Spirit see that you lacking something that you don't have the spirit. Now they are great teachers. I used to when I years and maybe 30 or 40 30 years ago or something I used to listen at Joyce Meyer. That's when I first 
got an amplified Bible. She teaches out of an amplified Bible. Now, Joyce Meyer can teach better than a whole lot of people does. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the, what's her name, uh, two or three ladies that I used to listen at back in the day. Great teachers. But we see where the Southern Baptist Association put Rick Warren out of the association, and that's why the Methodist churches, a lot of churches are splitting because they are gaining women pastors and women instructors. And they know that's against the Bible or whatever. So we see where instruction is important, but obedience to the Word of God, whereas these churches put such a wealthy church as Saddleback Church out of the association because. You have to take heed to doctrine, know that what you're teaching unless you be a hypocrite. I can't teach you one thing and live and do another thing. So Paul, he says, now beware. He says, take, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Take care and be on God's for yourselves and for the whole flock which the Holy Spirit had appointed you as overseers to shepherd, that is to tend, feed, and guide the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught of God. Everyone who has listened to me and learned from me has come to God. So Paul had instructed, he said, but grievous wolves was going to enter in after he leave. People were going to start giving heed to itching ears, listening at what sounds good and the preachers that look good and charismatic preachers and teachers. The book of Hebrews, the 8th chapter and 11 verse says, And it would not be necessary for each one of you to teach his fellow citizen or each one of his brothers saying no by experience or have knowledge of the Lord. In other words, what I was saying earlier, I don't know how this got back in this portion of the thing, that when we do that, we're not reducing this time, this thing down to the period of the era of the judges whereas every man did what was right in his own eyesight. Yes. We're putting it to the level that God made a centralization to whereas the church, he was going to have leaders in the church as he had Moses leading the people of Israel but Moses' father-in-law came and said, well, Moses, you can't continue this. Appoint elders of people up under you to hear some of these matters unless you wear yourself out. So God, Moses, took up that spirit and he placed it up on the elders. So there were teaching elders. There are people that are teaching here cases of God. So there is a, how can I say it? I don't want to say hierarchy because Jesus Christ said the structure wasn't structured the way the Gentiles or the way the world is because that's what they've done now. You have people in the church that are deacons and then not a, pastors and ministers. They have four or five ministers or pastors under them and then they have the bishop and somebody called doctors and now some of the people, the t- preachers and things want to be called apostle or this or whatever. And it's a hierarchy going on but Jesus had set it up as he's the shepherd and all of the pastors and teachers under him are under shepherds. But there must be a hierarchy, a structural thing 
where you have a decisional maker. In other words, the pastor of the church is over the church, whereas you have, have the elders of the board of ruling elders and teaching elders, and you have the deacons or whatever. But we're all the same. Are we understanding when I'm talking that we don't just go in every area and say we don't need anybody to teach us and somebody come into the church and these two guys go off and they they evangelists and preachers and teachers and now you're away from the church, you your own evangelist. Because along with that in the house churches and everything, you get chaos and confusion. Everything has to be central. In other words, I say the church is Catholic, is universal. In other words, it should be teaching the same thing wherever you go in the world. The church is the same. The teaching is the same. The instruction is, is the same. There's no private interpretation of the gospel of the word of God. This leadership is necessary, according to Deuteronomy. So a shepherd, and we talked about shepherd Wednesday night, that a shepherd could be the president. He could be the president of a university. He could it could be as Job was a priest or the pastor of his own house. In other words, a man is shepherd over his own house. That that word shepherd, what it means, because like I don't want to eat into my time, but I went into what shepherd means. So the parents are your shepherds. The book of Deuteronomy, the 6th chapter, 6 through the 7th verse says, And these words which I am commanding you this day shall be first in your own minds and hearts, and you shall sharpen them, or you should weight them and make them penetrate and teach and impress them upon the hearts and minds of your children. You should tell it to them coming in and going out. That's why with my children and anybody I'm talking to, I always try to think, bring things to a spiritual understanding. If I can't bring God in, it won't be there. So no matter what I'm watching on TV or what I'm doing, I bring God into the situation. God has to be in there. And because his principles are there, that's the heart of a teacher or a shepherd, that you bent toward God in the instructions, community, or whatever it be, brings you into one understanding of God. That's why he chose Abraham. He said, because I know he's going to teach his children to follow my commandment, my instructions. Proverbs 1 and 8 says, My son, hear the instructions of your father, and do not reject the teaching of your mother. So God had put that commandment in the Bible, right? I mean, in in, in the in the law, honor thine father and thine mother that thy days be long. So along with instruction, your parents' job is to shepherd the children. Yes. Yes. To give them godly instructions. But you see, that's where we get off course is because, do you know, if your parents are not instructing you in the Lord, you're not to listen to that? That's why he says you hate to hate your mother, father, sister, or brother because if it's not of God, that's why some people would stone their brother and, and the different people because they're leading you away from the Lord. Amen. When you, he says submit yourselves to one another, he says as in the Lord. Yes. Paul says follow me as I follow Christ. You don't have a right to follow a preacher if he's not following Christ. 
you become the blind leading the blind. That's why I say that that comes the school of hard knocks. It may lead to your death. It may lead to any consequences. But you to be as the Hebrew boys. Doesn't it say submit yourself to authority and those who have rule over you? But King, we we you will just have to throw us in the fire because what you're telling us is wrong. We we we're not gonna bow down and worship at your idols. We're not gonna be in, and we know that we spoke a year to we gonna accept the consequences if God don't deliver us. You just gonna have to throw us into the fire. Yes. Trial and error. That's where the school of hard not trial and error. We have to learn through suffering and failing. Christ didn't fail, but he learned through suffering. Fifth chapter of Hebrews says, although he was a son who never had been disobedient to the Father, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And having been made perfect as Savior and retaining his integrity, he became the source of our eternal salvation to all of those who obey him. So we will suffer in this life. We, We are made perfect through suffering. Some of the things, but we have to learn whether we're suffering in the Lord or not. See, I've suffered through life in some of for my own faults. Now, we're not credited for suffering for our own faults, our own ignorance. But now when we're suffering for the sake of Christ, we know we'll be rewarded of that's a justified suffering. Yes. It's not suffering if you suffer for your own faults. Now, get, let me get that straight. A lot of suffering we do is because our own, our own selves. As a parent, sometimes you get upset. Mm-hmm. He saw Timothy as his child. When you was telling me about the work you did the other day, I didn't like that. I, man, you, sometimes you're talking, you don't understand. You kind of understand when, when, when you were saying about all that cutting that grass or whatever. And I'm like, where's the, where's this other guy? He's letting this man that can barely stand up. You barely can stand up and walk, and you got to do all that. And where's he at? You know, a parent don't like to see their child messed over. God doesn't like to see us messed over. That, I don't think it's right, and I'm still saying, I don't, no, this, I don't think you should have done that. A bit. I want you to be stronger to be able to stand up against stuff like that. See, that's what he's trying to, the instruction he's going into his children so that they can be victorious and take over this world. You know, how do we be in charge in this life? Because it's become a point in time that God's people are not going to be made fools of. God's people go rise to the top and take their place in the kingdom. The yoke will be broken. Those of us who learn, Proverbs 10, 17 says, He who learns from instruction and correction is on the right path of life. And for others, his example is a path toward wisdom and blessing. But for he who ignores and refuses correction goes off course. And for others, these examples of path toward ruin. And so there are some things that are in life that you will get stronger and stronger in where you take stands. I like to see my children take a stand for the right. God likes to see us take things, stands for the right. And we come to our place in the body of Christ and we start push those backwards that don't belong there. Now, through the school of hard knocks, that's why I say God used means 
what are the means that God achieved these things through? He used a sinner cherub to uh, chasten his wayward children in Israel, but they stayed lost because they didn't learn, they didn't repent and turn to God. You see, that's why I say some of us will suffer because we never learn. That's the ones, you're not the light, the amplified reading on this. Uh, King James may say ignorant or whatever, but this is what Proverbs 12, 1 says. Whoever loves instruction and discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof and correction is stupid. In other words, watch it because the, the rod is made for a fool's back. You don't want to be a fool. God hadn't designed for you to sweat and toil. Why was that Adam? He said, a lot of people say, well, we have to work hard. And Adam had to toil by the sweat of his brow. Yeah, because he was disobedient to God. He was disobedient to God. It wasn't that way in the beginning. If you notice, that was part of the curse. He says, cursed is the ground for your sake. We need to start reaping what we have. We need the blessings and the abundance of God. We need to start setting as kings and priests by following the instructions and the teachings in the word of God, and we'll rise to the top. We'll command others. Watch this now, watch this now, because it's a lot of others, you know, it was easy to get out there on zero turn. They probably would want to cut in. They would want to mow in if you set them out there with a Toro or some fancy riding line mow where they can be wheeling around and cutting it or whatever. But once you do the physical labor, so we've labored to enter in. Jesus labored to enter in. He did the work. Now he tells us, look, you take my yoke upon you and learn of me. In other words, to stop toiling and to stop fighting the way we used to fight, we want to reverse the curse. Christ has made it so that the curse is reversed. If we follow his instruction, if we take his yoke upon us, if we learn of him, the blessings are in Christ Jesus. We're going to have to stop putting our shoulders to the mule. We're going to have to stop putting our shoulders up on the bird. He says, cast your cares upon me. All of these burdens and things. I want it to the point now where I ride on the wagon some. I want to stop pushing the wagon. I want to stop pushing the wagon. I want to sit in places where we're driving the nice cars. Where we're writing the checks. He's made us the head and not the tail. We will have to rise above our children. He says, Great shall be the peace of your children. I want to hear my children saying a lot of times, my daughter's telling me, you know, and laboring and getting her uh, business off the ground or whatever and her feet hurting and these things. I want it so that she's sitting in the office and running a business and having other people working and she able to rest some. We have to see the rewards ahead, and Christ promises those things. Great shall be our peace, he says, the blessings. So if, if we follow the teachings of the Pharisees, and that's the problem, we have a lot of religious people, a lot of Christian, a lot of teachers and things teaching us in an erroneous manner, 
keeping us in bondage and in slavery. And until we come unto Christ, until we take his yoke, in other words, until we begin to learn of him, we're going to labor and lack understanding. He says, get the understanding. Get the all of these things. It says, they who are wise and have spiritual insights, this is from the book of Daniel. This is part of the book that Daniel said that Jesus told Daniel to close up and he would give them understanding in the last days. This is God's spiritual church. He says, they who are wise and have spiritual insight among the people will instruct many and help them understand Yet for many a day, some of them and their followers will fall by the sword and by the flame and by captivity and by plunder. Now when they shall fall, they will receive a little help, and many will join them with them in hypocrisy. Some of those who are spiritually wise and have insight will fall as Mars, and others to refine, to purge, and to make those among God's people pure until the end times, because it is yet for a time to come and a time appointed. In other words, we can see now some churches starting the rise, and that's our example. But during those rebellions and the rising up, there will be a lot of good people fall to the wayside. In other words, that's not going to be here anymore. That's going to suffer. But those are the ones of the souls of the, under the altar that are crying out to the Lord, how long, Lord, shall before we be redeemed? There will be some of us overcome, but we have to engage in this great spiritual battle that's going on where we see that the kingdom of God is amongst us. All of us can't see that kingdom of God amongst us because we're not growing in the faith. We're not growing in the faith because we're not listening at the word. So a lot of our children that may not be in churches and following God, we may lose them. We may have to count them all. And that's what I say. A lot of us will lose spouses. A lot of us will lose things. But in Christ, we know none shall be lost. It's just that they couldn't run this race. They wasn't good at following instructions. You know, Job lost seven sons and three daughters. Yes. But we see that they wasn't totally lost because God only, when he was replacing things to Job, he only replaced seven sons and three daughters. So if Job received double what he had, that meant those seven sons and daughters that were no longer here were going to be in eternity. It wasn't going to be the same because you're not going to have children in eternity. It, it, it's not going to be like that. We all will be brother in eternity. In eternity, they neither marry nor given in marriage. So we, we're not going to look at the family the same way. None shall be lost if they were of God. But they shall all be taught of God. In other words, all those that are in the kingdom, they're not going to be rebellious against the instructions of God. So he had set some in church as teachers. He had placed teachers and instructors in the church. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to tell you. The paradox here uh, 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 is that he's not talking about doing away with man teachers because that's the job of the church is to teach and instruct. Yes. 
So we can't say it's all about the spirit. When the Ethiopian eunuch was going along and God sent Philip along, he sent Philip and Philip joined himself to the chariot and Philip ran up there and heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I understand unless some man guide me and teach me? How can I understand? I I read to you Wednesday the book of Titus in which the young women should be taught by the older women. The young men should be taught by the older men. That's in a church. That's in God's proper perspective. But those that come along, we have to sometimes do away with spouses and children that are not listening at the word of God. But we don't personally do this. By God's means, he moves those that are not given to instruction. See, because the church has to be without a spot or a wrinkle. Second Timothy says he must correct those who are in opposition with courtesy and gentleness in the hope that God might grant them repentance or whatever. So we're never to lose our so-called cool or our patience or tolerance. We have to be temperate. But we could see the end result of rebellious children. David told Joab and them to be patient and don't don't deal harshly with Absalom. But through God's means, Joab destroyed Absalom. It hurt David, but David realized that that had to come about. If that didn't come about, there wouldn't have been a Solomon on the throne. So through God's instructions, we come to a peace of mind. When we start understanding the Word of God, when He gives us proper knowledge, that's what brings us to peace. We stop worrying. We stop stressing out. It says, Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual song, making melody in our hearts, and always giving thanks to God and being subject to one another. Now, when he said be subject to one another, we're to submit to one another. In other words, we're to listen at what others say with a critical ear, with a judgmental ear. In other words, is this right? Maybe God had given you that to speak to me. That which is good, you know how to choose the good and refuse the evil. Now, because if you amp to give instructions all the time, but you're giving wrong instructions, you will be punished for that wrong that you instructed, so you better beware of what you say to people. But also the things you criticize and say to me, I take them into heart, I take them into mind, and I I bring every thought into the captivity and obedience of Jesus Christ, and that spirit sorts it out where it should be. That's why when in Corinthians he says, I write not these things to your shame, he says, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you only have one Father. Amen. So God had begotten you, but there could be a lot of old women in the church that come up to the young women and say, you shouldn't do that. But if you like the new age now, even the new age older people criticize people when they're telling them about doing right. Oh, she's just a busybody minding other people's business and all that. Now you teaching your children to rebel against authority and those people that are trying to help them. Because that's why I say society has changed so much. Don't think God's going to change for society. 
society is going to change the way God wants it. So all of this is going to be thrown away. These people that you call busybodies, they're going to have the last laugh. These people that instructed you and trying to place this back, you're going to be shocked. You're going to be, it's going to be a rude awakening to many in the end day. See, because the steward that's not giving out to me, you're going to be beat with many more strikes if you learn from God what to tell people. Well, that shyness of yours or whatever, it's going to result in consequences for not speaking up when God had put it in your heart to speak up. That's quenching the grieving the spirit. That's why you never grow. Because you don't have the heart to say these things. Well, how are you going to develop the heart and mind to say them if you don't start saying them and being rejected? Let them hate you. Be alone. But be satisfied that God, you had said what God had placed in your heart. But make sure you study the word of God so you know those things come out. That's what God had placed in you. Went to the hospital of there was saying something. And I told the young lady and that a nurse, I say, and she said, she was saying something. And I say, I see why you where you are today and you won't get any fault. And that hurt her feelings and different things that. Later on, she, she closed it. She says, well, let's close the door and talk about this or whatever. I said, oh, I need to close the door or whatever. And I said, I'm sorry I said, told you what I said or whatever. She said, well, you, you, know, you shouldn't be saying things you ought to apologize for. I said, you're not a Christian, are you? I say, it's in the book of Corinthians where Paul said he's sorry that he said what he said, but he wasn't sorry that he said it. In other words, you made me tell you something that I didn't really want to tell you, but I told you, no, I don't apologize for saying it because, no, in other words, this escalates because you're an idiot. You'll never learn this. And I shouldn't tell you that because it says a servant of God shouldn't strive. But I had warned you and told you of these things. But I know it's a sign up there saying, and these medical facilities that you shouldn't be rude or hard to them. You didn't see them signs about arguing with medical staff and all that. I didn't want to, I had to obey the authority there or whatever. You see what I'm saying? So there's going to be a many a battle, but for the peace, it says live as peaceable as possible. But see, that's what God's people have to start doing. Follow the instructions of God, but the church has to put the battle in array. In other words, you have to rise up against the Philistines. So we have to seek instruction. And that's why we hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, it used to thrill me a lot of times when Sister Harris would say, well, Pastor, that's just what I needed or whatever. And I said, well, what did I say or what did I do? Because we should be praying that we, that God fills us and directs and guides us and the only way that's going to happen and the only way I could be able to preach and teach is that you asking God for that and God's going to give it to me because the shepherd feeds the flock. And if you hunger and thirsting for righteousness, God's going to fill you and he's going to cause me to fill you. Amen. It's going to be through, my, through his words that's coming through me. You hear the shepherd's voice through me. That's why it says you have to have clean hands to work for the Lord. So God has to flow through me. You have to ask of God, and it's going to come. As you asking for your daily bread, as you asking to be fed by the shepherd of God, 
That's what strengthens you. Preaching strengthens you. Teaching solidifies you. That's the foundation. That's why I go slower when I'm teaching and I have to go scripture by scripture. When they say line up on line, precept up on precept. I have to teach you this before I can get, like they say, the Baptist church to go out on that limb and go to hoop and holler. You just want to hoop and holler. You're emotional. You don't have any stability to you. It's no use doing that. So when you come, when you leave out here, you will forget what I was saying in here. It's not going to ring a bell. He committed Timothy. He says, preach the word. Preach it in season and out of season. So... so we know that the unction that comes from God is one of those elements of building the church. But in concluding this, we know in the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, it says, and he gives gifts unto the church. He gives varied gifts. He himself appointed some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. He did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, that is God's people for the work of the service, to build up the body of Christ, the church, until all reach oneness in faith, until we all come into perfect union, to present a church without a spot or wrinkle. So he gave these gifts unto the church. You see the elaboration of, of just the elements, the fivefold ministry of what he placed in the church. So that scripture doesn't stand alone when it says you have no need for any man to teach you. Because what he's saying to one, he says to all, I have set this as one body. The church is a body. It functions as a unit of one. But it's the family of God making man in God's image in his likeness. Though we all be different, we all have that same mind that was in Christ Jesus. By transforming and a renewing of the mind, by being thousands of points of light, but that one light is the light that coming into the world, that one light that lighted us all, that came from Jesus Christ, who was a light unto the Gentiles. He had given us to be lights unto the world. We must be instruction. And he says, hate not the instructions of your parents. Honor your parents. Let's honor God and love his word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Heavenly Father, as we come before you on this Sabbath day, Lord God, to hear your word, Lord God, to receive instructions of your word, 